Welcome to Ethics in the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears, and today we have David Luban. David did his academic training in philosophy, but early on sidestepped into law teaching, focusing on professional ethics. He's always had an interest in military ethics and national security, which only heightened after 9-11. He currently teaches at the Stockdale Center at the Naval Academy and also as a law professor at Georgetown University. David, it is a pleasure. Well, thanks, Michael. I'm really glad to be doing this. You know, it's great to be able to reach out and talk to people. Yeah, no, this is this is going to be great. And today, of course, you and I know this, we're going to talk about trust, ethics and trust. You know, as you and I were talking earlier, you, you'd mentioned that there's three approaches to trust. Do you want to you want to touch on those real quick? Well, you know, men's will take an ethics course and they'll learn that there's three basic approaches to ethics, which uh, they're called uh, an ethics of rights and duties and an ethics of consequences and an ethics of virtue. And to me, it's really striking that none of them really features trust as a big element. So for uh, you know the utilitarian, you're care about consequences and you might think well trust might help might help get a good consequences but it's not really the focus and rights and duties doesn't get at uh, the the importance of trust and trustworthiness and i think that the virtue ethics really comes closest but it's striking that when we look at all the classical virtues we don't ever see being trustworthy as one of them or being the right level of trustful as being one of them. But I've become convinced that trust is absolutely central to uh, you know, the glue that holds, the, that holds a military organization together. And more importantly, I think it's the glue that holds society together. Is there a reason that trust, or at least maybe the word trust, isn't taught by philosophers? Well, you, know, you can only speculate, but I think that uh, one important reason is that uh, you know, the, the, the philosophers who, in the classical tradition from, let's say, the 18th century on, what they were really interested in was kind of social contract. And they had the image of two wary business people who are entering into a contract with each other at arm's length. And, uh, uh, you know, the contract is supposed to nail down the terms of the relationship. And I think that they don't quite understand that unless you can trust the other person to keep their word, that the contract isn't worth anything. So, you know, they're, they're focused on, on contracts and maybe the fear of punishment if you violate the trust. And so they, they just kind of pushed aside. I, I want to go back to something you said. You said trust is the glue that holds society together. I want to touch on that a little bit. But my sense here is maybe philosophers just assume that that's the default situation, that trust exists. Well, they might assume it, uh, but they might also just be too much uh, taking the rugged individualist, uh, uh, I am I am the you know, captain of my soul sort of approach without realizing that uh, uh, the captain of my soul needs a crew. You're a law professor also. So in contracts, trust isn't assumed. You're looking at the four corners of a document, right? So can you contrast that? Is law different than societal trust? Well, you know, the, in, yeah, in contract law, there there is a this sense of arm's length transactors who don't necessarily trust each other, and they're looking at the law to enforce it. You know, in law, there also is the idea of uh, a trustee 
and a trust, it's a special legal device. You know, let's say when a guardian is looking out for the interests of a child. And um, that's, I think, the closest thing that we get in law to this moral virtue that I'm thinking is so important. You know, just to, to put it in, in four words, trust means I have your back. Tell me about that a little bit more. I have your back. Who am I? Am I the leader? Am I the follower? Maybe both? Definitely both. I mean, I think that one of the things that was really eye-opening to me when I came to the Stockdale Center was uh, how important that was to the mids that I was talking with, that they know that after they're graduating, they're going out to be leaders and that the people who are looking at them fresh out of uh, the academy uh, are going to be looking at them and asking themselves, is this a man or a woman who has my back? And of course, the leaders themselves have to have confidence that the organization has their back. They have to have confidence uh, that uh, the men and women that they're commanding have each other's backs and have their backs. And you know, how much that uh, kind of loomed in the mind of the of the firsties that I talked with was really striking to me. You know, I like where this is going. Let's take a break real quick, and then we'll come back and touch on, oh, Goldilocks or, or, or fairy tales. I'd love to hear about your perspective with what is the right amount of trust. Let's take a break. Welcome back to Ethics in the Naval Warrior. I'm speaking with Professor David Luban, and we're talking about trust and, and this concept of, of social glue. When you think about it, when you go to the grocery store, you're buying food and you are trusting that that food is not poison food. Uh, and I'm mentioning that example because of something that's been a real change in my own lifetime. In 1982, uh, there were some very highly publicized incidents in which some malicious person was poisoning food in supermarkets, and it caused nationwide panic. And one of the results is that nowadays when you go, when you buy a product um, in, in the supermarket, lots of times it's wrapped in plastic containers. That didn't used to happen. If you go to a pharmacy and you know, just uh, buy some, I don't know, neosinephrine or something uh, because you got a head cold. Um, there's a little plastic wrap that's there. That was put in a specific response to that, those, uh, those terrifying incidents. And uh, uh, you know, we need to be able to trust that other people aren't malicious actors. We need to be able to trust the food that we eat, we need to be able to trust that when we're uh, walking along the street, the drivers are going to be careful and uh, avoid hitting us, that when we're making a left turn, that nobody's going to uh, come shooting through a red light and smash into the side. When you think about how many things we trust in, you realize that we can't, we could never even leave our house without trust. And even in the house, you're trusting that the water company is going to keep on and its employees are going to keep on giving you the water that you need and that the uh, internet folks are going to keep the internet running. Let me ask you this, though. Um, I mean, how much is too much trust? I should just be able to step off the curb and uh, expect? You know, there's the old saying, trust but verify. You know, when I think about uh, the virtues, you know, one of the things that you learn in the, the uh, virtue ethics course is that every virtue is halfway between two vices. 
So courage is halfway between cowardice and recklessness. Uh, you know, this is called the Aristotelian mean, but I think of it as the Goldilocks, uh, not too big, not too small, but just right. When it comes to trust, how much should you trust? Here you're at the midpoint, that Goldilocks point between being uh, gullible and being taken advantage of uh, and being so suspicious that it's disabling and disabling to the people in your command and the people around you. So trust does not mean not to look left and right before you cross the road. Absolutely not. Big question. Do we have a crisis in trust right now in the Navy? Well, I think that there have been a number of uh, incidents in uh, the last, even just in the last 10 years, that showed that there might be that kind of a crisis in trust. Now, what does it take for a leader to earn trust? Former retired destroyer captain Doyle Hodges put it best, uh, uh, that you know, a leader earns trust by candor, competence, and by taking care. And there have been cases, I think, like the, the crash of the McCain and the Fitzgerald in 2017, the grounding of the Ohio-class sub Georgia in 2015, in which uh, it seemed as though Big Navy was eager to put the blame on individuals and to push it down and not to look hard enough at whether equipment issues or uh, manning issues or policies might need to be fixed. And if they do that, then that's a a way of making people lose trust, they're feeling like uh, they're not really trying to fix it, they're trying to put blame somewhere. So there, there's no care there. And maybe the competence issue isn't at the level that the finger's pointing at, but uh, in the structure or uh, the bureaucracy. And maybe there isn't complete candor there about that. A lot to talk about here, David. Listen, um, we've got to wrap it here, but I appreciate this conversation and we'll have some more going forward. Thank you very much for, uh, for talking about ethics and trust. Michael, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.